Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Big Handful of Cocaine for You. Turn to oh, on bbgwrestling.com. Big Handful of Cocaine for You. It's time to take out the trash. We can get through this bullshit if we're all really high. I am Pablo. Woo! I, 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 I am Pablo. The first ever Miss Rumble 2000! Well, from the little turd to the big turd, good luck. And with me is... The Council Estate Cowboy. My vocal tone. And with me is the Cho Cho Chosen One. Those suplex attack nearly poofed him into dust. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Turn Chuckle on BBGWrestling.com. I am Pablo, and with me is the poster boy for the margarine commercial. Uh, <laughs> Imperial margarine, I'll have you know, I think. It's <laughs> <laughs> Tempest. Hello. Hello. You're not wearing a crown, though, are you? Uh, no, no, I'm wearing, actually, I'm wearing an old Scott Steiner hat I bought when he was in TNA. Nice, okay. Well, I mean, because funnily enough, my uh, Zoom picture is me wearing a crown. <laughs> <laughs> but you are a big queen. <laughs> hey. um, so, yeah, how are you, how you doing? It's been a little while, uh, and that's not entirely your fault. Um, <laughs> it's actually right. not your fault. It's been my fault. Uh, I'm I, glad to hear it. I watched uh, Triple Mania this morning. Oh, nice. Okay, that, well, um, that was that was some good fun. Any uh, uh, anything that stand out for you in particular? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Diana Perazzo winning the Reina de Reyes, or however you say it, uh, Ladies Championship, was impressive because she is now a dual champion. Very nice. And um, speaking of dual champions, I don't know if this counts, but I'm very, very excited. And I haven't seen it yet. The first episode of Dark, eh, not Dark, bloody hell, Rampage. Oh, yes. I um, watched Rampage. That was very exciting. I got home drunk from a stag night at about <laughs> three in the morning, sat up, fell asleep, watched it at six when I woke up. <laughs> Still avoided spoilers because I was too drunk to go on Twitter. So all good fun. See, I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> avoid spoilers if uh, my life depended on it because I woke up and there was about eight messages of people with Christ- like Sean Christian with both belts. Um, and to be honest, though, I, I completely forgot that there's impact in TNA or two separate like actual They're not anymore. Belts. Unfortunately, they are actually now unified. They just still have two belts. See, that's the I, I never understand that. Then I think, well, no, I get it. I mean, it's kind of like a new Japan thing, isn't it? Like, you know, they are unified. Yeah, like the, but you remember the J crown and all that, yeah. Um, so but I completely forgot about this, and I was like, did he win the AEW title as well? Like, what's what's that's, happened? That's it all out when he doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Con- congratulations for September when you don't win the AEW title. <laughs> Christian, sorry, but it was amazing to see you win the TNA one. Give me some. I'm, I, I need hope. I'm a very have jaded to, wrestling I, fan. I have to say, speaking of jaded wrestling fans, were you planning on watching Triple Mania? I would imagine not. Um, I mean, probably not. I'll be honest. Like Rick Flair made his return. Yeah, I did see that. To be fair, that and, was and, fucking fun. I had no spoilers for that. Like, so that that was great. That is exciting, and and that's the thing. It's just I. I think people might underestimate just quite how much I watch Royal Rumble 89 on loop. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm obviously really enjoying AEW at the moment. And uh, I've, I've kind of, it is hard for me with new wrestling because I kind of forget sometimes because, you know, life is busy and stuff like that. And I kind of dropped hard out. track down compared to old stuff as well, can't it? Well, it is. And when you've dropped Everything out, basically. costs money in that. 
Well, that is true. When you've dropped out for about 15 years as well, trying to get back in the habit of watching new wrestling can be quite hard. Um, mm. But mm-hmm. with AEW, with Christian being there, especially, I've really tried. But now that, you know, all of a sudden, I know they've built it up, but it, it, it felt to me, if I'm honest, that when he came into AEW, if it was a big deal. But since then, so many other big names have been signed. Aye. <laughs> It's an old Nitro thing when someone debuts every week. It's hard to fucking keep track, uh, doesn't it? Well, it happened with him in TNA at the time. I mean, he came in and he was called the biggest signing in their history until Kurt Angle showed up a few months later and then Christian was A few wasn't... months later? It was a few years later, wasn't it? No, no. Angle showed up in 06. Christian was 05. I thought Christian was 05. Ah, uh, of course. I'm just... It's probably the end of 05. <laughs> and then Angle it, in 06. It was very much the end of 05. I mean, actually, his last appearance on WWE television, he wasn't under contract anymore. Um, was he but, not? No, he, but he made the. Luckily, he didn't get voted to have the title match at Taboo Tuesday or whatever it was, or Cyber Sunday, because uh, he would have been wrestling not under contract. But uh, that was his. That was his last appearance, and uh, like I say, he went to TNA, and it was great, and everything. Won the title, and he was used very I well. I loved throughout it. His, like throughout his entire run, uh, he was amazing. But it was one of those things that, like, from certainly. Uh, a featured aspect and also in terms of like a merchandise aspect, a lot of his stuff got cancelled because uh, <laughs> they needed to get Kurt Angle's face on the cover. Uh, uh. So I, I think the, and look, because I'm a huge, huge Christian fan, I have been for like over 20 years, and I understand that there's a good chance Christian probably wouldn't have won the world title if Edge didn't get injured, or there's a good chance that, you know, he wouldn't be teenage. They've found they're able to find a place for him because he's so good and he's so well respected. He's much better than Edge. He just isn't as tall and that matters the most in WWE. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, like, I know there'll be loads of people going, what, I love Edge, especially the bit where he pulls his head and air and runs over and hugs someone and puts them on the ground. Sorry, I mean, spears them. But, like, I'm sorry, <laughs> he's, he's just not as good as Christian. Mm-hmm. Just In ring, bell to bell, nowhere near as good. I don't enjoy his promos as much. I don't know, I just don't. It's not. It's nothing even particularly against Edge, because other than doing the worst spear ever, he is a decent wrestler. But I don't know, just Christian seems light years ahead of him. He's just, as I say, he's not very good at being tall. He's not very good at being tall, and uh, if you believe Vince McMahon, he wanted to put a blue dot over his face because he found him to be too ugly. So. I've never got that, knowing that my <laughs> co-host, my wife and my mother all fancy Christian. I just don't get it. I mean, I get, I get why they fancy Christian. I don't get why Vince thinks he's ugly as fuck. I don't know. Kurt Angle in his book called him the world's ugliest pretty boy, which I can kind of see. Aye, but Kurt Angle also looks like a fucking battle toad in a swimming <laughs> costume. So, like, who's he to fucking argue? <laughs> oh, so, yes, Christian in a, a prime position in wrestling, which is mint. Uh, and, and the thing is, someone posted as well that it, it was 10 years to the day that he... Last mm-hmm. lost a world title to Randy Orton at SummerSlam. And, <laughs> I didn't know that. And he won the he won a major title this year. And then I just before we get on to SummerSlam as well, I've got to say, like when your favorite wrestler retires, and they say it's because of a medical injury, and especially because uh, not a medical injury. It wasn't like it was during surgery. I mean, he like sort of. Uh, I know what you mean <laughs> for medical reasons. Um, <laughs> And they didn't even make a big deal of him retiring. Like, they never acknowledged on TV for probably about two years that he had actually retired. Uh, he was just 
not on TV and he was injured and we all knew he was injured. And then I remember Jerry Lawler one week just randomly let it slip and you can tell he had made a mistake saying that Christian had retired. And it was one of those things that if asked on an interview, you would say, yeah, I'm retired. Otherwise, it was just not talked about. And I was always gutted that he never got the send-off that Edge did or Daniel Bryan at the time or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, 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 I know it sounds... I was, at, I, was, I was at that Edge retirement thing, you know, when they did the tour in England. Uh, I didn't come, find out. come here. Oh, mate, I was taking my little sister and my lass at the time because they were just, like, banging to the product generally. Mm-hmm. And Edge had just retired because of the injury. Like, it was unexpected. Like, he was announced as the main event for it when we bought the tickets. But yeah. I, Christian, wrestled and they brought Edge out and they did, like, a, one of the poorest things where they do the photos and that. I will be forever gutted that I missed that. I'm, I'm so glad, though, that he's wrestling again. And when AEW... And hopefully Impact, because I, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Is he just going to make his home on Impact now? And do you think this is the end of the invasion, as it were? No, I, d- I don't think so, because Impact working in the old school way, you know, where you like tape a month or two at a time, the same way loads of the indies do at the minute who've got like telly deals. I think he'll just do like what Kenny was, because, you know, you can turn up for a day or two and then you can rinse like a fucking month's worth of content and then you just fly in. So I, I think he'll be appearing on both plenty. Okay, well, I, I, I mean, he's the main event of All Out. That is true. <laughs> um, but I, I am realistic. You, you know, I mean, when he's not going to win that, but I mean, this is this is the highest booked spot I can think of in his fucking career. But if you don't count him basically being like Randy Orton's whipping boy and winning the belt because Randy Orton kicked him in the dick, <laughs> this has got to be the highest he's been up the card. He just won the Impact title on the debut of a new show, and then he's headlining the biggest AEW pay-per-view for the other belt. You know what I mean? This is great. And, and you know, the only time he was in the WWE, uh, I mean, before the Randy Orton stuff, in a main event for the title, uh, was against John Cena. But in the week before, they decided to add, add Chris Jericho to it because uh, I guess they didn't believe that Cena, uh, Christian was strong enough of an opponent. And I was like, you bastards. Um, They're probably just worried that a one-on-one might be too much like wrestling, so they had to add an extra person in to make it more uh, Christian. You know, I fucking hate a triple threat. I fucking hate triple threats. Yeah. Well, and then the thing is, Christian was very quickly moved out of the picture for a John Cena-Jericho match at SummerSlam. Christian wasn't even on that SummerSlam. And I was just like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, it, there was certain... No wonder he ended up in TNA. Well, he, he said when, you know, um, and this is true, that he was the highest merch seller on SmackDown. Because that's the thing, he was on Raw, feuding with Cena, and it was one of the hottest feuds of the year. And they moved him to SmackDown for no reason. And then he just slipped down the card completely, even though he was the highest merch T-shirt seller. And when he came to the UK, I think he faced Batista. And he Batista was... I don't think Batista was getting booed out the building, but Christian was getting cheered so much. And they did nothing with him after that. And I was just like, ah, oh, like it stands against you though. It's like the thing that Taz said, and he's like, Oh fuck, I heard how much this crowd cheered for us, and I know they're not meant to. So I don't have a chance now, do I? At the Royal Rumble, I'm like, we know how things turn up for Taz, but I mean it's probably the same with Christian. Like, no, you should like Marky Mark Rides, damn it. Like Marky Mark Rides. One day we'll dress him up like Barney the Dinosaur. <laughs> Uh, but the thing is, though, what I like about this and that the fact that I speak so passionately still about Christian is the fact that I still give a shit and I will still watch wrestling to cheer someone and want someone to win because I went through a lot of years of not 
that. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, I know you mean. I jumped off the seat and cheered when Christian won. Like, I was very pleased with it. it yeah, I, as well. I, I will in the sense that I know the surprise birthday party's happening, but when, I, you know, I'll take the blindfold off and I'll go like, oh, yay. Like, you know, when I watch, <laughs> when I actually watch it, since about eight people sent me the fucking picture, but uh, there we are. So- <laughs> but I was not one of them. Just for the people of the world, no, I was not part of the fucking spoiler avalanche that he had. That is true. Well, what did I spoil for you not that long ago? You were gutted. Oh, Kenny went in the fucking Impact <laughs> Championship. Sorry. Yeah, you were like really. I, for- I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> I did apologize. So you. glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, SummerSlam 92. Now, I, I would think. I would so hope- anticlimactic that we're going to go to Crush Repo Man after what we've just been talking about. I know. Well, I would hope there'd be no spoilers uh, on SummerSlam 92. I would hope that everyone who's listening has seen it. Um, otherwise, we are going to spoil Crush versus Repo Man for you. I apologize. Uh, so but the important thing is, Crush didn't manage to spoil it, and that was good. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's been known to in some matches. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so we just finished with the the tag title match, and we cut to one of my favorite pieces of Lord Alfred Hayes uh, business <laughs> ever, uh, because he, he, you know, he's knocking on the door of Savage. Savage isn't answering, and he's like, "Right, I don't care. I'm just gonna." He, he says, "I'm gonna breach my own code of ethics, and I'm gonna just I love that he has his own. <laughs> so British, isn't it? Forget the WWF. It's my own code of ethics." <laughs> By the way, this is an important code of ethics because my cock is 18 inches long. Do you know what I love as well? It's the same door as the one with Savage, just with a different logo on it. At least, you know, someone had to print off that sign. Someone was told that was someone's job (laughs) to do that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. It was a SummerSlam moment. There was a some some moment. So he opens the door and then Warrior just slams the door in his face and he's like, that was frightfully rude. <laughs> Did Warrior know he was on camera? He might not. <laughs> Is he just being rude? <laughs> Alfred Hayes had a, um, had a bit of a uh, habit of doing this on Royal Rumble 92. Hogan is hunched. If you watch this, he's hunched over a sink. He, he looks like he's snorting coke. Um, and Alfred Hayes which, just which events this is sorry Royal Rumble 92 Alfred Hayes just walks in on him and he's like have you got a moment and Hogan's like oh, oh, oh. let me bust my moustache brother <laughs> it's a good job his tash is blonde so you couldn't see any uh, <laughs> any residue in there I no. wasn't just tugboat it was going toot toot that day <laughs> way um, <laughs> so What's interesting, I mean, I say interesting, I noticed this, so it doesn't necessarily make it interesting. What's notable, but not interesting. <laughs> I mean, notable might even be a, a strong... What you saw. <laughs> well, this is the match where they, uh, they cut to Andy Gray on Sky. Is it? I thought it was that bloody dark match. No, 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 no. This is the match. What the fuck's there a dark match for if they cut during one of the... <coughs> well, because SummerSlam was shown a few days later, and they cut that just for... Um, they just cut that for timing, basically. But the Crush Repo Man match, I guess something important happened in football. So they were like, right. <laughs> no, Wait, you know, no, I can't have. It was in... Summer Sam's in fucking... You know, oh, I guess the Premier League might have just kicked off again. Well, there you go. It's in August, isn't it? It is in August. Did was it, Yeah, Premier League kicks off in August, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've just watched our first shit show game of the season today. <laughs> <laughs> well, go on, and who won? Oh, well, obviously not us. <laughs> we lost 4-2. Oh, 
God, uh, it doesn't get any. Uh, doesn't get any nicer, does it? <laughs> nah, it doesn't. And we don't even have the great old school things like throwing petrol bombs at them afterwards or anything. It's just rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so yeah, they, they they cut to the football. They're like, oh, I hope, I'm sure they won't mind us cutting to the football. That's what like Andy Gray says. Like, no, fuck off. Like, you know, could you not just put <laughs> let's little- cut to the most unlikable sexist shitheads in football? <laughs> <laughs> they could is have it had Richard li- Keys as well, or is it just Andy Gray? No, I think it's Rich- the- Richard Keys. Oh, as it's, well, the, so. it's the double down cunt tag team. <laughs> 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 fuck me, I hate those guys. <laughs> So yeah, the, can we get um, famous enough that I can punch Richard Keys in the fucking <laughs> face one day? Everybody like and share this podcast. Tell your friends. I want to get famous enough that I'm just going fucking stick the nut on Richard Keys. You don't have to be famous to do that. And I've got to be able to get in the same presence as him. Don't worry, I'm still <laughs> capable of headbutting in my own relative obscurity. Just ask anyone in a kebab shop after opening up. <laughs> <laughs> That's Richard Keys never doing an evening with at the Federation Brewery. <clears throat> well, unless it's one of those white collar boxing events. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, anyway, uh, so I don't know fully what they cut out of uh, if they cut out the full match. I'm assuming they don't on the Sky version, but they certainly cut out a bit. And what's notable, like, or what I noticed on um, not just the Thai Classic, but on the uh, on the network version, is Crush. Crush's music hits, but Crush is already halfway down the aisle. So what they've done is they've dubbed over, they've dubbed in the music, and oh, actually no, sorry, they cut the edit. They edited the footage, you know, they just shaved the start of his entrance off basically, and then there's a wide shot. And if you notice, because Howard Finkel, and he he says crush brilliantly because he could roll his eyes like he really put some weight behind it. If you notice, mm. Howard Finkel is not doing his announcing; he's just ready to sit back down. So for whatever reason, even on the the uh the broadcast not the broadcast but the released version they cut out the start of Chris's entrance. I think it's worth mentioning because you know it's on the network I'm sure because I've got a note that says that I like the music and I'm no, sure no, I'm no. hearing I, ju- I just watched the- I just watched the network version and it, the music hits but he's already halfway down the aisle but it's the music hits from the start. Oh right okay so it's almost like the uh they've sped up the footage <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> is that the, what it is? <laughs> the, audio, the audio hasn't caught up to it yet, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> so demolition explodes at SummerSlam. Demolition explodes. I always, always forget that Crush was in Demolition, you know. It's oh, never you? registers. When I think of Crush as a tag wrestler, I just think of him in Chronic. I forget that he came in as like the third member of Demolition, didn't he? Yeah, and... and- when Axe left, I mean, he be, he came in because of Axe's uh, being uh, old. No, well, he had a he had an allergy to a shellfish, and it uh, caused a, a heart problem, which he's never had since. But Vince, fucking was what? This is the weirdest thing I've heard. <clears throat> Sorry, why did he go? He, he ate a crab and had a heart attack. <laughs> I think it's he had like I think they call it like a heart flutter or something, something like that. But he had some oh, kind heart of murmur a heart something. murmur. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Vince just didn't want that on his uh, books by the sounds of it. And he, he, what a cunt! He, he oh, never... you just sound like you had a dangerous experience there. I better suck you. <laughs> <laughs> so they brought in Crush to basically carry. What well, I say, carry uh, to take over Axe's 
place, you know, except for six man tags, but Axe was still barely in the ring at that point. And uh, Axe, they went through a period. I don't know if you ever saw this. This was a very failed experiment where they tried to make them indistinguishable from each other, which is impossible because one, Smash has got a tattoo. Two, they've all got three different lengths of hair and three crushes. They had the gimp masks, though. They all look the same when they had the gimp masks. <clears throat> well, did you see Did you see when they took the gimp masks off and then they had like a skin-tight gimp mask underneath? What? No, I just remember the geek big, like the proper ones, you know, with the zip on and that. Yeah, yeah, they had a, uh, like, sort of, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It is a gimp mask. You would imagine the zip over the mouth, basically. But uh, they've got no face paint on underneath. This did not last long. Uh, because Vince wanted to make them kind of take the allure away from them because Road Warriors had come in. So they wanted to make them more just, you know. Is there anything more WWE in a nutshell there? We've brought another tag team in. So instead of trying to make them look better, let's make our existing ones look <laughs> shitter. Such fucking stupidity, that. Yep. I'm mercifully glad I don't remember this ding-dong era of demolition where they take the mask off and say, surprise, we're in more suits. Oh, God. <laughs> so um, Crush returns after a stint with Billy Jack Haynes. And I mean, you know that story, don't you? That Billy Jack tells on his shoot. Um, <laughs> I don't actually. I, oh. I really should listen to Billy Jack shoot because I imagine it's fucking madder than me. <laughs> oh, I, I gave you that shoot. And for some reason, it's signed by I've Tracy Smothers. I've not watched Smothers. it yet. I've not oh. watched it yet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's signed by Tracy Smothers, which I think is just the, you know, it's perfect type for no reason. <laughs> It's fucking random as shit. <laughs> um, so Billy Jack tells this story why because he's running like a territory in Portland, and Brian, Ad- that. Brian Adams is working for him on and off, and uh, he works for him as Demolition Crush in Portland after his WWF run. And when Crush comes back to the WWF, they play a rib on Billy Jack Haynes. They're in like Washington or something. Oh, like that. I do know this. <laughs> yeah, and and he brings up Billy Jack or he gets someone else to do it and goes, "Oh yeah, you've been booked, and they're going to give you a tryout and possible contract." So the fucking, but it's in Florida. <laughs> He fucking goes from Portland all the That's way to Florida while they're fucking in drive that. That is a <laughs> fucking drive. Like, British people can't imagine that drive. <laughs> it's just so, like, okay, as long as you can meet us in Belgium, <laughs> get in the car, <laughs> isn't it? So, no wonder Billy Jackson, angry, angry man. I'd be Canny Raj, like, <laughs> he's so, got Billy Jack here. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, Crush versus Repo Man, notable for well, I noticed. I should stop saying notable, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> I saw. Yeah, a lot of the audio from uh, that match is used on uh, the Crush track on the WrestleMania album. <clears throat> is it really? It is. Which was actually. I don't remember Crush having a song on the WrestleMania album. I'm well, sure you'll fucking play as it though. <laughs> I'm glad for the cat harmony as well. <laughs> And it's just Crush ironically telling you not to take drugs for free. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the used commentary from that match, uh, Bobby Heenan. With- Maybe he was just taking them all so that kids wouldn't. <laughs> like he was actually doing a public service. <laughs> well, there was a UK exclusive track as well. So, and it couldn't have suited a wrestler less. You know, because at least all the other songs were kind of, except for Brett with that love song. But uh, the Crush track was, yeah, it was, um, (laughs) it was, was it tropical? Was it, was, did it have Jimmy Buffett vibes? (laughs) No. The music that fucking Crush should have. Damn it. Why wasn't Crush's just Cheeseburger in Paradise as sang by Crush? (laughs) 
tell me that wouldn't be good. I like mine with little centimeters. It would be fucking great. <laughs> yeah, sadly it wasn't. Um, it was. It's definitely the worst track in the album. And I know what you're going to say. That's saying something, but fuck you. I like WrestleMania the album. Um, <laughs> so Crush versus Repo Man. It is what it is. It's a showcase for Crush, basically, because they've just brought him in and he's killing people in like three minutes. And Repo Man, <laughs> yeah, Repo, Repo Man, arguably the biggest name that he's faced at that point, because Repo Man's very much on the downhill slide at this point. So no was... kidding. He's the fucking Hamburglar by now. Like <laughs> that's, that's life support for your fucking WWE career, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I mean, even for the Repo Man gimmick, it was never going to be in contention realistically for any titles or have a tag partner or anything like that. So all I ever remember about him was he, I'm sure he like chawed something like Razor Ramon's necklace or someone's belt or something like that. <laughs> Took Macho Man's hat. <laughs> oh, was that it? Oh, yeah. I'm sure it was some. It was something more racist with the chains, wasn't it? It was like it was a black man stole these, so he's going to melt them down to make them into other chains or something <laughs> fucking ridiculous like that, wasn't it? If you want to like piss off a cokehead, which Savage undeniably was. Uh, steal his cowboy hat. Ste- yeah, steal his shiny cowboy hat. I can definitely tell you it doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, Crush b- b- Bray's Repo Man in about three minutes. That's all you need. A weird finish, though, isn't it? He just squeezes his head and the referee's like, right, that's enough. He doesn't, like, give up. He doesn't pass out. He doesn't check if he's KO'd or anything. Crush puts his hands over his eyes like they're going to play, where is Repo? There he is. And as soon as he's got his hands over his eyes, the ref's like, right, that's enough. He can't say. Finished. Well, he's he's Crush. He's got the power to, you know, crack your head on. Like, matches. End matches, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, I can, completely objectively, I can, you know, Crush... Besides the the silly colours and everything, which I look for, I mean, I painted me dining room orange and purple. Um, <laughs> I like a silly colours, <laughs> so I can understand why he would be someone that Vince would love and would want to push. And it, it always, you know, really shocked me that he, they never did more with him than they should have, because he has all the attributes that Vince would love. Uh, you know, you might have to give him a manager, as they did with uh, Fuji. You know, having Fuji talk for Crush isn't the best idea in the world. But um, it's, it's an odd pairing. Yeah, uh, but he, uh, he wasn't a great talker. Like that is something no. you noticed when he appeared as Brian Adams in the NWO. Yeah, it's like he he had the presence and all that, but like the the promos and the run up to his world title match with Goldberg and that were not great. He worked a lot better as like a silent murderer and chronic. Absolutely. And I think he's one of those that with his tone of voice, he can sound good, but he just does not know what to say. Like it's gonna yeah, be that's I'm, definitely it. I'm yeah. gonna win this match and I'm gonna destroy you. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah, um, there's nothing going on. It's just an aggressive tone of voice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh coming up next, what we got? Uh, the only thing that I found notable, and it's definitely not notable, this is the first time I noticed Bobby Heenan make the fucking achy breaky heart reference because that's the year it came out, and it was like a big number one in the UK at the time, and that's the only topical time it is when he brought up achy breaky heart. So it probably went well. So he thought, you know what it is? I'll just keep doing it until my career's over. <laughs> my achy breaky back. Yep. Okay. I was like, um, ah, that's funny there, but I can't laugh because I've heard you say it so many other times. Yeah, but new audience and that, isn't it? So all the kids. <laughs> and he just know. fucking doesn't remember any of the other times that he said it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what, what we got coming up next? There's a vignette 
there's a like warrior and Hogan are on superstars and they're trying to like make up and Ric Flair's coming out and he looks a lot like John Major at the time, which is kind of weird in that suit. <laughs> and warrior Mr. Who? Perf uh, Warrior and Hogan, isn't it? No, sorry, I'm talking shite. Warrior and Macho. Yeah. <laughs> warrior and Macho are trying to make up and uh Ric Flair's coming out looking like John Major, as I said. And uh I think he get doesn't he call him the Macho Chicken? Mr. Perfect calling Macho Man the Macho Chicken, which I really hoped is like the outcome of all of those pheromones and hormones that get injected into chickens into America. It's like, oh, the macho chicken got, got the beaks and the beaks. And he's just going to come and fucking wing you. But sadly, it was just Randy Savage being called a bird. Yeah, and, and, and it all stems from Flair being angry that he didn't get the title match. It just didn't just show you. I mean, it, it almost seems like that there was a like an evolutionary connection made in the brain when someone thought, well, why don't we have triple threat matches? Because <laughs> no, just, yeah, which, go back in time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, because that would have made a lot of sense, but in because it's not a triple threat match, and because it wasn't even an idea to have a triple threat match, it made a far more intriguing story to be like, whose side's Mr. Perfect gonna be on? And uh Flair, you know, as you can tell, is uh, the the, I hate to say puppet master because I hate the it's a marionettist. If you're pulling the strings, you're a marionettist, you're not a puppeteer. Um, that's me one pet oh, peeve. Didn't, like. didn't know that. That, was, uh, that is you definitely have more pet peeves than that because I've never heard this one and I've heard a lot of your pet peeves, <laughs> but I did not know that. Um, but yeah, I think that added more intrigue to the to the entire thing. I don't know how much the crowd, again, because they don't see what's going on on the big screen how much the crowd are aware of, like the Shawn Michaels-Martel match, how, how much they're really aware that Perfect and Flair are going to be coming to the ring with someone. You know, because it, it's kind of a bit of a convoluted story when you've got two faces. And I did find it a little hard to follow, but I, I didn't like to judge the angle on that just because I've not seen the stuff that was in the lead up to it. Or, I mean, I have, but it was fucking a long, long, long time ago. So just watching the pay-per-view now, I didn't want to go, that doesn't make sense when it might just be that I'm dumb and I haven't seen what else has happened, you know what I mean? Well, when you've got two faces, I guess, back then, there has to, you know, it, there's no angle there. I mean, the angle should have been that Warrior beat Savage at Mania 7 and put him out of wrestling for a long time. But that was kind of forgotten it's one about. of my favourite WWE matches that, you know. Oh, I, I totally understand that. Um, so he, there has to be an angle somewhere. And it did make sense that Flair would be angry having just lost the belt and Warrior just coming back out of nowhere. Why does he deserve the title shot? Uh, Which so, is a fair complaint. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe overcomplicated angle. Uh, because realistically... I guess mindsets were different back then because maybe people believed that either Warrior or Savage were going to join Mr. Perfect, but realistically, neither of them were going to, were they? I really just never, like, as a child or as a grown man, at no point that I feel like either seemed like they were going to turn heel, like. No. Um, and I've got to say, for this uh, this build-up for the uh, what is called the main event, and I've got to say, because this is not used enough, AW are brilliant at this, that they if you just say something's the main event, it just sounds important. And if you say it over and over again, like you never hear WWE anymore go, this is the main event. 
you know, just, you know, like I've I've seen it been done with uh, the Kiss Demon where they tell us that it's the main event, it's like the second <laughs> match on the card, and I just don't believe them. Okay, no, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, <laughs> but Gene Gene Oakland for this to tell a story because he's doing it by himself. He's not doing an interview. Warrior or Savage do not get interviewed throughout this entire event. Flair gets interviewed in perfect. You know, the I like that though. I, yeah. I, sorry, were you complaining there, Rods? Because I thought it was no, good no, no, to no. answer I, the mystique. To I not think it's great. Yeah. Um, you've got speculation, and Gene Oakland is so good at putting thoughts into your mind and making you think a certain way or one way or the other. And he, he, it's up to him to tell the promo videos are not what they are now. You know, they're not even what they would be by, like, say, 95 with Pettingill doing the voiceovers and stuff. These are just clips mm. with Gene mm-hmm. Oakland telling the story and probably not scripted either, just flying by the seat of his pants and just you know, a couple of bullet points here and there. And he's he's just brilliant at it. Um, and um, and people who are listening know what we think about Gene Oakland. Oh, yeah, worship Gene Oakland. He's like the greatest stick man in the history of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> cut, to, <laughs> cut to Vince and Bobby Heenan. And that's where Heenan's got the crown on. And uh, Vince is like, take that ridiculous looking <laughs> crown off. You look like poster boy from a margarine commercial. <laughs> Ah, yes, that's it. The Imperial Margarine thing. I remember because I'd made that note and I was like laughed about it. And then I looked at it today when we went to record weeks later. And I was like, why the fuck have I written Imperial Margarine? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a, that made me laugh as well. A very deeply rooted American uh, reference in England. No one would have got that. Yeah, that's true. Like, I only know it from seeing those advert clips on old stuff. You know what I mean? Like, don't <laughs> get I, Imperial Margarine here. I, I love Vince and Heenan. Like, Vince is having a bit of fun with Heenan, trying to get him to admit who's corner Mr. Perfecting, because Heenan should know. Um, and He's Heenan's, an investigative journalist, or whatever yeah. the fuck it is. He always says, <laughs> no, you aren't. You're a commentator. Well, Heenan's um, just... Vince is like, you nodded your head. And he's like, no, I didn't. Like, this is nodding. And you nodded, this isn't nodding. You know, like, just like, <laughs> trying to throw him off the scent. And he's like, is it Warrior? No. Is it Savage? Uh, no. It's Savage, isn't it? No. And, you know, and then when they just as the cut to the match, he's like, oh, Savage. And he's like, what? Like, <laughs> 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 like really, really good. So, um, yeah, the I mean, Warrior's the fan favorite here. Um, and it helps when you wear a Union Jack on your, on your coat. Yeah, it does, but you've, I mean, he did well to be that over when he was also dressed as a side of beef in that strange <laughs> fucking costume that he had on. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you notice on uh, when they showed the clip beforehand where they're facing the nasty boys, he just looks naked, but with the warrior thing <laughs> on him. This time he's been skinned. <laughs> yeah, he does, doesn't he? He's actually fucking peeled. You know, on Hellraiser, he like starts out as a fucking skeleton, and the more she kills, the more he rebuilds himself. Like Warrior's gear looks like he's not quite finished. Like the heads got rebuilt, but the rest's still totally flayed. Oh, it, it's giant Gonzalez, isn't it? It's like, why the fuck did they used to do that? Was that just like a '92 and '93 thing? Oh, like. I'm... I'm... Gonzalez was impressive anyway because he's fucking literally gigantic. Like his name in WCW was The Giant, mm. just not in English. You know what I mean? Like El Gigante, Mr. Yeah. Gigantic, or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> and then like Ultimate Warrior, even though he's not as big as he had been, he's still a big motherfucker. Like you'd still look impressive as shit. He's just going to look kind of cut and svelte, as the JBL used to say on commentary. So there's no need to fucking dress him up as beef. I think. <laughs> I think that's it, though, for the singlet. 
that it is to cover the fact that he is not the warrior of 1989-1990 in terms of, uh, you know, his arms are small. Like, everyone's off the roids, and warrior is probably the most notable. I mean, if you notice, the reason why I think Crush wears that gear is because they wanted him to cover up his little gut that he constantly had. Um, I never get that either, you know. Like, it, it, it's not... a it's not a bodybuilding competition. It's not modeling. Like it's not who's the prettiest and who looks the best. Like a big strong fucker who's like lifts loads of weights and that who can kick the shit out of you. I don't look at him and think, oh yeah, but I won't buy it if he's got a gut. Like Christ, maybe he just likes a bit of barbecue and a few tinnies. You know what I mean? Who cares? It doesn't make him less legit. Yeah, too legit to quit. If anything. Like, um, <laughs> oh no, but, we're back to fucking Virgil and nails. But um. You say that, that it's not a bodybuilding competition, but it is 1992 WWF when they literally had a bodybuilding competition. <laughs> Can you imagine going to a fucking steroid trial and thinking, you know what I'll do? I'll open a fucking bodybuilding foundation <laughs> or whatever you would call it, a league. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about bodybuilding. I've just been to the odd thing that I know people who are in it. I don't know what you call it, but yeah. Why, why do you think, oh, I'm being investigated for steroids? I'll just dip a toe in the most roidy thing in the world that's even roidier than wrestling. I think, it, you know, in terms of wearing the singlets and stuff like that, that may have been a Vince thing where he was like, look, you can't look worse than the bodybuilders. It might have been. Um, you know, I'd, I can see that extremely fucked logic. <laughs> Vince is good at sort of realizing that if you have an unflattering in his mind body part, that it needs to be covered up. I mean, look at uh, Dustin, like when he became Goldust, he was never, you know, Mr. Sixpack or whatever. So the. <laughs> they put them in a massive body condom, basically, uh, to cover everything up. And same with Warrior. I mean, saying that Warrior though, had a pretty fucking flattering body still. Nah, that's true. Saying that though, when Warrior did come back in '92, originally he did wear trunks for a good while. So it's one of my favorite. Like, if we can gear it up for a minute, we've talked about our favorite looks about Warrior <laughs> in terms of his gear. That comeback there when he's in the trunks there, you know, and he's not got as much size is probably my favourite look of Warrior because he still, like, looks strong and ripped, but he looks more athletic. Yeah, it's right before he dyed his hair blonde as well and got the tattoo. Like, he went through a really massive change in 92, even just from coming back. You know, it, you can tell as 92 goes on, actually, he is getting bigger from when he first came back in Mania 8 to aye, aye. a roundabout Survivor Series. God, if you look at his... Uh, like certainly his arms when he's recording because you see that he was meant to be on the Slam Jam single and you, there's little clips of him and his arms are just fucking huge compared to like WrestleMania 8 and stuff like that so um, I f there's only a couple of matches that I remember with him with that original WrestleMania 8 look and one of them was against Skinner and there was a couple of us where he beat him in like two minutes and stuff like that but I guess that those are when the rumours came out that Warrior had died uh, which I remember sure that. You, you remember a as a kid. Yeah, yeah. In yeah quite, I remember that. Quite understandable as well, because it, it, even facially, he doesn't look like Warrior of 1989, 1990. And, you know, it's understandable why people, I guess, would think that. The other one that people used to say, I remember back back in the 90s when I was at school, you know, the whole, like, somebody else was playing Warrior. And the thing that he died was one of the famous ones. A lot of people used to also say that they thought he'd been put in a fucking mental ward, so there was somebody else playing the Warrior as well, which was more believable than died. Well, did you ever hear the thing that people thought Texas Tornado was Warrior? No, because that's just fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can kind of see it, you know what I mean? But, like... Um... They're, they're both white. They have both lifted weights. <laughs> Long hair. Yeah, that's all it takes. 
Uh, so yeah, what are you? Why didn't they think Von Hama was Ultimate Warrior? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just fucking stupid. I'm really surprised they never did a Warrior versus Warrior thing, uh, like they did with Undertaker versus Undertaker. I think they could have done. Why Me too? They... Actually, they were mates as well, so they would have probably put on a good match. Mm-hmm. Why they didn't eventually have uh, Renegade against Warrior in some kind of thing? It ready made, even though Renegade's not obviously going to beat Warrior in WCW. Because Renegade had been gone for so long, he was just being a fucking stunt double when Warrior came, and he'd been off the telly for years. Ah, uh, that is, yeah, it's true. Yeah, but you can still, I don't know. People have got short memories and do I mean, that. They, they treated the guy shit enough. He ended up killing himself. Let's not fucking <laughs> wish that they went back and made him even worse. No, okay, fair enough. Okay, let's get off that. So Savage comes out looking um, like a complete blancmange. Um, pink, yellow, even for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess if you're in, like we've talked about this before, if you're in the middle of the ring in front of 80,000 people, you've got to stand out. And boy, does he stand out in that outfit. Uh it's quite a spectacle. I'm really surprised they didn't have pyro for those entrances. I think it would have. I think it would. Yeah, especially quite. in a stadium, that would have been befitting, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, Savage uh, looking very much uh, like a fruit salad. Uh, yeah, I thought he looked like those sweets people used to bring back when they've been on holiday. You know, whenever <laughs> people have been on holiday and they used to bring back for the class, like fucking loads of these weird fruit sweets that were wrapped that always looked like that. <laughs> that plus, like Mike Von Moore had a swimming costume that was exactly the same pattern. As <laughs> it's got flowers fucking... on it, isn't it? Like <laughs> <laughs> that exact pattern, Mike Von Moore had a swimming costume of. They just Not made very it... savage. <laughs> <laughs> they just made a Funko of that savage. Um... Aye, it looks cool. It, very cool. And, and Mattel not long ago made a, I say not long, probably six, seven years ago, made that Ultimate Warrior, but he doesn't come with his jacket, which I think is a massive crime. Um, it just comes with the beef suit. Just comes with the beef suit. <laughs> so Savage gets booed. And I mean, maybe I'm not giving the crowd enough credit because maybe they do just assume that because Perfect didn't come out with Warrior, that he must be coming out with Savage, but he does get booed uh, quite a bit. But also, the UK audience are used to seeing Savage as a heel as well on like Sky and stuff like that. So. I was just going to say, he'd been a heel predominantly for whatever you'd seen him, though, if you're watching WWE. Yeah, it is hard to boo Warrior with that music and that look. And, and oh, as the cat knocks something off the window, um, you know, and obviously, and what Warrior was great at as well was getting the crowd into the matches during entrances and during the match. Like, he was he always fed off the crowd. Doing the um, raise the roof thing with his hands and all that high. Yeah. Uh, so I can understand why he would be the the fan favorite but i very much enjoyed this it's what it needs to be with them too it's just big massive moves and you know not much farting about just getting right into it and uh, yeah what what do you think like how do you compare this to the wrestlemania 7 match for you i mean it is a good story and there is very good drama but it's not on the level of that mania match because that mania match i fucking love that's like of this era of wwe that's one of my favorite things is that match that those two had this is still really good but it's another one of those ones it's like it's fucking summer slam can we have a real finish please i didn't enjoy the not being a proper finish and um i'm trying to think that that one thing that i thought really helped it really well and sets the drama with it being outdoors i would criticize normally like having the world heavyweight match this far down the card but it means they come out just as it's got dark, like it's yeah. getting dark, and it gives that festival headline vibe that I thought really added to that outdoor spectacle of it that was really good. 
Yeah, there'll never be a better lighting change. I <laughs> the sun going down. That's so. What made WrestleMania three as well? You can tell it was almost like an event of two halves. Um, you know, in SummerSlam night two is a long event, and you're sitting through a bit of you know nonsense as well. And you know, it's almost like everything that came before this match now doesn't matter because like the crowd who are not dead through the show at all, but they're not hugely into the crush match you know what i mean um they still but, cheered for the finish of it not it was like oh who's this guy that was cool and that was about the reaction wasn't it yeah uh but i mean there, there was such a you could feel it's the gene oakland line isn't it you can cut the electricity with a knife uh you really could for that match and vince did you notice how vince's voice changes to the like voice <laughs> yeah it's not just that. casual talking it's now just like how his voice because he's got free he's got normal vince talking he's got the who and he's got that like voice <laughs> yeah and gravel voice terrible baritone and then the other boring one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that that's the voice he uses throughout all of this and uh there's a great line from bobby heenan and he, he, I think he, if you watch this retrospectively and if you pick this up, he's like, oh, they beat the... I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Like, they beat the shit out of each other. It's been a hell of a match. But it's only going to get worse. Trust me. And he fucking knows that Perfect and Flair are going to come out and just ruin the entire uh, <laughs> match. Aye. And I yeah. think, you know, understandably, that would... Unless Vince is obviously not meant to pick him up on it. It's meant to just hopefully sink in just a lovely bit of like just subtle storytelling. I like that too. And I love the um because Perfect and Flair come out and immediately because what I love as well is the SummerSlam signs lit up. Once I didn't notice that. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um so there's that great shot of Savage and Warrior just the exhausted in the ring. And that aisle is so long, but you just see them just it it you know you can see the threat coming to the ring from so far away, and you can tell that, like, just something's going to fucking happen. Uh, and just, Don't they hit Savage first or something, and people are aghast that they think Warrior has turned heel? Yeah, well, I think they just trip one of them. And um, so they're like, oh, he's with Savage or with Warrior. And then the second time, they go with the chair, and it's more of a, you know, in Heenan's mind, more of a, you know, oh, he's definitely with him because he only tripped Savage. Now he's hit Warrior with the chair. Um so, yeah, that's true. Uh, it's it's great. So the crowd are just hugely into the. It, it kind of it, the match arguably didn't need it, but I think when you've got, I don't know, is this this might be too much of a WWF thing, but like like from my uh, frame, like my viewership and all that kind of thing, that if you're going to have Bretton Bulldog with a clean finish having a couple of disqualifications beforehand kind of won't wear the crowd out. You, do you get what I mean? Like I do. I mean, I I know what you mean. Like, I, I'm not used to that. But I just don't think it's forgivable in your world heavyweight at a big pay-per-view. Do you think in that sense, then, it, it should have been maybe a triple threat to have a clean fit? Because Flair would win the belt no, anyway. I, I, I think that... It, you could have just like who's the champion at the time, isn't it? It's Savage. Warrior. Savage, Savage is champion, yeah. Savage just needs to beat Warrior by bullshit. Like Savage doesn't have to turn heel. What if something's done to Warrior by Flair? Savage doesn't know and pins him or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't know. Just I don't. That felt like a TV finish, 
And that was generally the like, we're doing a pay-per-view overseas so that we can sell an enormous stadium out and we can have a hot crowd, but also it's not important. Let's just give them a non-finish for the World Championship, which is halfway into the pay-per-view. That leaves a pretty bad taste for me. I understand that completely, especially since Flair ended up beating Savage on an episode of Superstars. Uh, (laughs) I didn't even know that, but that just proves my point. Did you know that they had to film that match twice in one night because Vince wasn't happy with the first take of it? <laughs> God. Yep. Yeah. I really hate the idea of reshooting matches, you know. It's... I feel like if he could, he would just walk in the ring and go, cut! And just like fucking start again in front of the crowd. Like, shut up in your chair when I tell you to cheer. Watch Stephanie... for the signs that light up and buy the Roman shirt. Well, Stephanie did that before, you know. Um, I can't remember. Really? What... I can't remember what it was. But they fucked up something in front of the crowd, and Stephanie comes out and goes, "You know this is all, blah. you know what I mean." So we're just going to do. Oh, it again. I'd yeah. have left. Not that I'd <laughs> ever be there in the first place. I would have left. I would have thrown whatever I had in my hand. Hopefully, it's a pint and not the baby. And I would have just fucking left. <laughs> Absolutely hideous. It is an insult, like is it? And and, and if things can be done wrong, don't do them in the first place. If but you it's feel- a fucking sport, allegedly though. You yeah. know, even like you can, and I don't want to get into that long debate. I mean, you could consider it a sport in the way you can, like, I don't know, like artistic gymnastics and shit like that. I guess it is a sport in that way. But I mean, fucking hell, if you're watching a football game, they don't get to go on and go, oh, you put that six feet high and eight feet wide. We'll take that free kick again because that was embarrassing. Go. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it goes wrong, it fucking goes wrong. And for me, if let's say, okay, the Flesh Savage match, was shit or Vince wasn't happy with it, don't do it on the same night. Just do it on the next tape and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it literally definitely. doesn't matter. Um, have some sense of this being show business for the love of God. <laughs> have some respect for the audience. Yeah, because the amount of times a title change would happen on the first week of a four-week... T- oh, sorry, on the fourth week of a four-week taping. And it, we've not seen it yet, so the previous champion would still be doing the house shows anyway, uh, defending the belt, because it hasn't mm. been shown on TV yet. So... You know, since they've done all that and none of it matters, uh, then who cares? You know, because everyone thinks, oh, Mankind beat The Rock January the 4th, 1999. He didn't. He beat him on December the 28th, 1998. But it, we, because obviously it's not taped. So that's why you should want to give away the, you know, oh, sorry, it's not live. Mm-hmm. Um, so dates, it that does my head in. That does, because there's so much revision. We'll talk about revisionist history. But one of the things that really does me head in is with titles. Um, because they, they won't acknowledge that Antonio Noki won the WWF title, all that kind of stuff. Aye. Uh, you know, the, the never it will be just to suit them. I'm actually really surprised that like they acknowledged the night the Rockers won the tag belts when the rope broke and stuff like that. Um, I can't believe that they did they reversed that change just because they didn't like the rope snapping. It's fucking mental, yeah. And, and the thing is, it wasn't live, so they're just edited could have just fucking rebuilt it and well, then done the rest of the match and no but that's what they did out. that's what they did they put them in a headlock and for continuity purposes waited until the rope was put back up and then spliced it together uh, so when they've released this on dvds you can't tell but apparently again vince is just not happy so. just weird <laughs> so the um what i love is how disgusted gene oakland is with uh flair and perfect that they just there was they lied all the time like he was personally offended that they hadn't actually fucked one person over or the other they fucked them both over 
And you loan it. There's no plan. And you know, Mr. Perfect was like, there was a plan. It's our fucking plan, and we'll do what we want. Um, but to be fair, like if I didn't get the championship match, it doesn't mean I would side with someone else. I'd be like, right, fuck you both. I'm going to ruin this. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the spoiled child at someone else's birthday party. <laughs> I totally like. So all right, so we didn't do a birthday party for me, but we're going to do it for both of you. Okay, I'm going to ruin both of them. <laughs> Let's think Gene should have been more annoyed that it ended up in a, you know, uh, shitty finish. Because that's the thing, the crowd, it, it was, it felt like it was forced upon the crowd, not in the way that the Brett Bulldog hug was, but when Savage and Warrior eventually hugged, the crowd were like, they were into it, but I, you could tell there was a disappointment that it, it was a terrible, it wasn't, yeah, terrible mm-hmm. count out finish. And that there was, and to be honest, the fact that Warrior didn't win as well, people wanted Warrior to win it. And you know, especially like Warrior did more moves than you were used to him seeing before he'd been away. Like he yeah. does elbow drops and face busters and hip breakers and he even does a fucking vertical suplex and he does a axe handle off the top rope and that. And like this is a different ultimate warrior. You could always tell that he brought it when he was with Savage. And just to then end with that wanky finish is even worse. Like people always accuse Warrior of not being able to do anything and of doing no moves, and then they put on like a good match with a good story that the crowd were interested in the intrigue then give it a bullshit tv finish it was a very good match and then you know no matter what anyone's views on the warrior are like personally or whatever he when he did a big move it meant something and the match mm, went you? on the match went on a long time look if warrior's gonna atomic drop you or something like that you're gonna and they're both knackered the fact that they're down for like you know a 10 count or whatever and they finally get their arm up at nine or whatever the crowd are into it you know, it, it is slow moving, mm-hmm. but everything meant something and it it did have the kind of, you know, the, it had the fans behind them and it had the intrigue and everything else and uh, every move felt like it could have been the last move of the match. You could even have ended it like that, you know. Like, Flair's fucked them both over and what if Warrior's the one who gets up at nine? And oh. that's like, or, or Savage is the one who gets up at nine? You know what I mean? One of them does and that's how they win. And and the thing is, one of them could win without knowing that Flair and Perfect caused him to win. That's, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you've got the intrigue of like, where did they plan that? And you can continue that angle where they oh. in cahoots with Flair and that. And then you can on TV address. Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> I'll give him another shot at another event or, you know what I mean? Or we're going to team up against Flair and Perfect. There's so many better ways that could have been done. <laughs> we should have been booking this, I think. <laughs> I would never get a chance though. Like, it's, it's, you, if you think like a wrestling match, they're like, get out. I don't know. Pritchard wasn't there at the time, so we might have stood a chance. <laughs> <I mean>. Yeah. <laughs> <Fuck> <laughs> um, so we <laughs> go from that to uh, luckily for you. I mean, do you feel that the event flows better not having a Tatanka Berserker match stuck in between? <laughs> to know it still dies a bit here, but I guess it dies less by not having that as well. It, well, I guess it dies less. Maybe's um in you know because they've pulled themselves out of the Tatanka Berserker match and they're ready for the Undertaker because uh Tatanka Berserker... So do we just get the Ric Flair vignette while that match is happening? No. Uh no, the you get the flair vignette, then you get you get the flair vignette while Berserker's walking to the ring with no music. Um and then Tatanka but obviously on the network version, uh it just cuts straight to Undertaker Kamala, the 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 pre match hype um and vince mcmahon being totally crack deficient and he just comes out and he goes oh what a rush SummerSlam and wembley stadium and you're like what the fuck does that even mean 
It's just a random fucking catchphrase, an event and a place. Just shut up, Vince. <laughs> Still so, one yeah, of the worst but... commentators. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much that can be said about the Tatanka Berserker match, except for Bobby Heenan making the joke that Berserker's wearing hair Jordans because uh, he's got the furry boots. Um, but no, I, I didn't notice that one. I'll yeah. give him that. That is punniful. <laughs> I do like the fact that they, they blatantly flew Mr. Fuji over just for a laugh, just because you know that he would get drunk and probably start a fire <laughs> or something like that. Oh, <laughs> He's probably fucking good, good crack on the road, Fuji. <laughs> Always got that opinion. I, I, I don't have a lot of positives about this. I mean, I like the crowd getting to see the choke slam because they get excited, and I thought the hearse was fun. But other than that, this is a bit shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the, I mean, uh, the to tank It's one of those again that to tank. Oh, sorry, I'm not even talking about no, that no. one. I'm talking about take everyone fucking thingy. Sorry, take well, everyone Kamala. It's like the crush match. The tank is on the rise. Berserk is on the fall, and Fuji's about to manage Yoko. So, you know, to tank beats him in two seconds. Well, not two seconds, two minutes, and uh, that's basically it. And but if, I'm glad that they put it on the the video, but they should have put it on the network as well. For the sake of this, sorry, for the sake of completion. Absolutely. Uh, but as we'll continue to find out, they'll you know not give a shit more and more about uh, you know wrestling fans wanting to see complete events. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a whole show in itself. So yes, we're going to take a Kamala match. Kamala had only been back for a couple of months at this point and is already in a massive uh, feud with The Undertaker because it could have been... I'd imagine that Taker and Jake might have continued after WrestleMania 8, uh, but Jake held them up, not for money. He held them up for his release and uh, kind of screwed The Undertaker on the way out because he was like, oh, yeah, Tombstone is on the floor. That'll you know really put you over. Vince did not want the Tombstone on the floor. And uh, Taker and... Why? Because he wants it in the ring so everyone can see it. Uh, it's fucking up- brutal if you do it on the floor. You've killed him. It is. It I'm is. sorry, I'm thinking like a wrestling fan again. I keep forgetting we're talking about WWE. Sorry. Well, I've, I think Jake might have done it back then just to serve some shit because the finish was not meant to be them on the floor doing it. That You know, I think it was just Jake as the last foot year on his way out. But obviously, and to be honest, though, it looks better for Jake not showing up ever again if you've had your neck broken on the floor instead of just a normal tombstone. So he was going into business for himself. Hmm. Um, but he's right though. It <laughs> did look better. Tombstone him on the concrete. That's fucking brutal. Yeah, it really. Is. Yeah, and that was the first time he had uh, done that as well. So Undertaker Kamala, uh, you know, it's a uh, you. You know, they used Kamala really well as a heel in WWE. I mean, he was basically just with the Undertaker, and he had like a couple of Intercontinental title matches against Bret and stuff like that. He was kind of upper mid card. He was never really going to have a title. Uh, he's a creature he's- feature, isn't he? He was even like that beforehand. Yeah, and and this is like the epitome of an attraction match, and it ends in a DQ because they're building up to another another match from the dark continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. Is how they announce <laughs> Kamala. It's quite sunny in Africa. They have electric. What exactly are you talking about? Them being dark in Africa? There, WWE. He lives you in the forest. Well, he lives in the yeah. You know, it's in light in the jungle. <laughs> Even if he lived in the jungle, it's still light. And, 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 and they'll try and claim that they were paying homage to Paddington Bear and Deepest Darkest <laughs> Peru or something like that, but they're just fucking racist. Bring the guy out in the grass skirt and say he's from somewhere dark. 
It's quite is. And then right. have him fucking lose a no DQ match by DQ. What a <laughs> fabulous piece of book in this. Like, this was fucking um, shit. This, this is just shit. Paul Bearer says on an interview that because he's walking in front of that hearse and he's like, I better not fucking trip over. <laughs> <laughs> he was he re- end up in the back of the country. <laughs> he, he was really worried about that because it's just long. I would be. <laughs> <laughs> It was a long walk to the ring, but yeah, this. Imagine the, the, you died for that shit match. I know. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, as well, I think because this was a heavily featured match for SummerSlam, um, and it was perfectly placed because this is the first time Undertaker's coming out with the lights off, basically, because the sun's gone down. Um, it would not have had the same effect if he'd came out, you know, second match or whatever. Um, yeah, and the, yeah, the Hearst entrance is brilliant. It's. Uh, I love that entrance. Like it was really cool and a spectacle. And Taker would have spent, you know, taking about, you know, two hours to get to the ring if it wasn't on the back of a hearse. Um, <laughs> That's like all of his modern entrances I used to find when they're like, would bring him out once a year. And it's like at WrestleMania, I'm like, oh, Christ, there's an Undertaker match. So that means there's going to be half an hour of people kicking out. But it's all right, because I've got time to go to the toilet during the half hour entrance that precedes it. But it's How the- long can you listen to the funeral march? That's true. Yeah, it's a bit of a, it, literally a grim theme to cheer to isn't it <laughs> dun, 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 dun. yeah <laughs> but uh, again, it would have been weird if he came out to american badass though <laughs> not just because the song wouldn't come out for another six or seven years but like can you imagine that <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> he's coming out with the fucking hearse and all that and it's all cartoony <laughs> well again this is you know to me the definition of a uh just an attraction match basically just seeing two big colorful characters uh just bray each other for a bit and the fact that it's a dq I mean, you know, they booked themselves. I, I, I'm not as bothered about that being a DQ as I am the World Championship match. The only reason it's shit is don't announce it's a fucking no DQ match and then have a DQ. Like that is the sort of shit that WCW gets knocked over the head with all the time, and WWE have done it loads and just fucking cover it over. This is true. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that people are there to see the Undertaker set up and they'll sell everything. So as long as he mm-hmm. keeps doing, he that, does the lariat and the choke slam and all that crap that you want to see as well, doesn't he? Yeah, it, and the, you know, there's not much that can be said about this except that Kamala was like Nails, but more of a gentleman, I guess. Really, really disappointed with his payoff because he's on what could be argued as the semi-main event because it's the second mm. last match, and Undertaker gets a lot more money than Kamala for this. Kamala's a commodity as well. Like yeah. N- Nails is just a guy with a name spelt wrong who can't wrestle, but like Kamala is actually a fucking star for like at least a decade before that. Yeah. Um, and you never really hear Undertaker since talk about Kamala. He talks about Jan Gonzalez in like a piss takey way, but you know, I, I don't know. You never know whether he liked working with Kamala, whether he begrudged having to work with someone who it, it wasn't going to lead anywhere. And Kamala, you know, he had his bag of tricks, but he, he was never going to have like the classics that you would have with Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart or whatever. Was Taker um, going to at that point though? Like, what classic matches can you think of of the Undertaker in the first few years? It's it's hard to do with that gimmick. Um, Aye, the slow motion punch with the marigolds on and all that. Like, yeah, it's all about attraction at that point. It is, and even when he had title matches, there were casket matches and stuff like that. He never, he just never needed the title. I mean, as they showed, every time he had it, it was wasn't for long. But and a, a creature feature guy doesn't need it though. He is a special attraction. Yeah. 
Yes, and this is two creature feature guys against each other, basically. So, I mean, Kamala's right; they should get paid more equally, really. They absolutely should have. Um, so we go from that to to really the main event. Uh, if it's in the UK, because the Savage and Warriors build as the main event in America, and was probably shown last on the American, uh, you know, edit job broadcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas. Uh, you know, it couldn't be anything other than Bret Hart against... Well, it could have been British Bulldog against Nout, and that would have been the main event. And it would have still cheered. <laughs> <laughs> you do get a few interviews before it, like... You've got, yeah. like, Sean Mooney interviewing that Whoopi Goldberg-era British Bulldog. I think, he, I think Heenan even calls him Whoopi Goldberg at this event. But, like, Bulldog proves that he really wasn't a great talker. He's like, this is my moment to shine, and then he gives a rubbish promo, and then Bret Hart just comes out and seems to shoot. I don't even know if he knows he's on camera. He's like, Davey owes everything to me. He owes me his career. He owes me his marriage. I'm the real star here. I was like, Bret, we're going to start a promo in five. (laughs) You know what I mean? The thing is, there's something very charming, though, about British Bulldog not being able to really do a good promo. You know, it's more like he's from Leeds, doesn't he? It's very he British. Comes out yeah. and he just doesn't fucking know what to say, and he's just like <laughs> talks Yorkshire is out. It's fucking class. <laughs> I liked um, how shit he was at, at the talking, and how bitter and unlikable Brett was on the mic. Because I know that's just both of them in reality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Brett. I mean, obviously, he's going to be either subtly or not so subtly the heel in this match uh, subtly so, yeah, so the, 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 he's the face in his head that's my favourite <laughs> thing always no matter what Brett is always the face in his head and that's what makes him one of the most watchable guys ever yeah absolutely well the thing is this match didn't really have that much build up it was just Bulldog was made number one contender there wasn't much of an angle on screen uh, there were little bits because they talked to they, they got Bruce Hart on camera. I think they talked to Bulldog's parents, to Brett's parents, and they did a bit of that. But it wasn't the huge build-up that I think people think it might have been for a match that headlined Wembley Stadium. But um, it just shows you the star power, you know, when you can just put Bulldog on last, and it doesn't matter. It didn't have to be for an Intercontinental title. It could have been against fucking Repo Man, <laughs> you know. You know, because, you know, Bulldog took on IRS on the last UK Rampage tour and the title match with Savage against Sean was like fourth on the card and people were just there to see Bulldog beat. You know, there's footage of Bulldog doing his 93 WCW UK tour and he's just fucking, it's hard to put into words how beloved and how mainstream British Bulldog was in the early 90s in the UK. Um, Incredibly, I talked about an episode one, didn't I? Like you gone down any market, and there were like fucking snide bulldog t-shirts all <laughs> hour. Like he would, you'd you'd get like Savage, Warrior, Hogan, Bulldog. They were like the the four fucking t-shirts you always saw at like any snidey market or like after stuff, you know, when people are selling t-shirts, even after like gigs and that, you know, and you get scalpers selling like fake band shirts and that. Yeah, British bulldog shirts would be sold by these people. Like I saw loads of them. Th- there was something I wanted to say though, but. <laughs> You know, you're talking about Bulldog and that, and it could, could main event anything. He could be against anyone. There's a really weird bit before it that I just don't get why they did it. It's like they got a Canadian out with bagpipes to play Scotland <laughs> Brave in London. What the fuck? What the fuck? I do always forget about these. 
Yeah, a Canadian playing Scotland the Brave in the capital of England. That that just shows how much WWE no care or respect about the, the fucking UK. Like, what was that? Well, as I said on episode one, you know, Man- according to WF, Manchester United is the team of England. You know? um, well, they're definitely the team of London. So, <laughs> but I, I do always forget Piper's there. But I'm always really glad when he shows up because I do always forget. Uh, but it got and he just leaves. He doesn't speak or do anything. <laughs> he just plays the fucking bagpipes. Heenan's at his best here though because bagpipes are awful. And just fucking... <laughs> we're even northern as shit, and we're not fond of bagpipes. <laughs> not ten of them all together. Fuck me. Like especially playing the same riff over and over again and. Uh, they're trying to desperately find a patch of crowd who are like clapping along. <laughs> Almost like they were in the wrong country to do this. <laughs> Piper, I mean, the fact that Piper says the only reason why this is tolerable. <laughs> and to be fair, you know, because he knows like it sounds like they've pulled on a cat's tail and uh, that he's like, get the hook, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being American and sitting listening to bagpipes. Your water's gone on. Yeah. Thing is, though, like Vahinan sat next to Vince, who owns the company, who controls everything. Vince can't do anything while he sat next to him live. And Heenan's such a loose cannon. When he wants I to always be. used to think that. that that's my favourite thing about Vince being on commentary. Obviously, it's nothing that he ever says, but it's just the fact that he can't produce commentators if he's there. That was the. Do you remember the Paul Heyman thing when uh, Trish is crawling around the ring and it's in Washington and Heyman's made his debut and Vince is in the ring as well and Heyman says, "I've come to Washington and I'm going to get to see Bush." <laughs> fucking every, <laughs> everyone backstage is just like, "Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> great stuff." <laughs> so yeah, it's um, the only good thing about that hateful segment is that the one where he makes her be a dog. Yes, that got edited out before it was on Sky. You know. <sighs> Yeah, Rightly can... so, it's fucking awful. It was bad. Vince got pulled up on that on that uh, off the record show in Canada, and Vince was like, "Well, it's edit. You know, you've edited it, so it doesn't give the full context." I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> "All right, that made it better." <laughs> Let's give. What was the context, Vince? Women are shit, and I own them. Crawl <laughs> and bark. I just like all of my fucking peons are beneath me, but the women are even beneath her. There's your context. Fuck off, Vinnie Mac. Yeah, oh, it's it's an uncomfortable. I mean, because no context for that degree of just no degrade and sexism, and like I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not one for heavily censoring wrestling, but like, and I like, like having attractive women in wrestling, but fucking hell, like, how do you explain that stuff to your kids or your parents <laughs> or your fucking your family or your husband or your wife or whatever that you're watching it with? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. <laughs> Um, yeah, Vince is a cunt. Um, <laughs> so I'm just gonna let you interview him now. <laughs> um, that'll be the first question. So, Vince, how have you gotten by? Why are you a cunt? cunt? Why are you a cunt? Yeah. Uh, do you think he's ever been called a cunt to his face? I don't know. Let's test the theory. <laughs> I wonder what the worst thing anyone's ever said to Vince's face is. Like, you are I've just got the ratings for Nitro. <laughs> if anyone's like accused him of like murdering in front of his you know all that kind of stuff like or really pulled something like Benoit or Owen Hart or something like that just, <laughs> and he's like, probably like caught and like sorry Vince this is life <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he can't actually control this bit he starts telling the interviewer what to say he's like no no I'm not one of your commentators <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually yeah he thinks he's in like on the red carpet and he's actually in the police cell <laughs> the fucking flashback <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Proto Bojack season five when he's on set. I think <laughs> if you asked him anything, he'll just grab the phone and be like, hello, is that Mickey Mouse? I'm ready to sell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you won't get this on any other podcast, I'll tell you, especially about SummerSlam 92. Um, so yeah, anyway, so let's sorry. make this more family <laughs> yeah. fr- more family friendly. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, we and, and look, because I've announced it a while ago and it, it should still be happening at some point. A Diana Hart interview, and I'm really, really, really excited about this. But fuck me, she's not ready for live TV. Um, <laughs> no, no, she's not. And I think my last actually saw that bit, and she was just like, That's the fucking worst interview I've ever seen. That's like the only part of this event that she saw. Oh, and then, then that's like, I shame. can't believe that's on the tape. That's the thing about like, because I'm trying to sell Jess on stuff like the the raw from MSG, and all she sees is Ahmed Johnson. She's like, "This is shit," and I'm just like, "Oh, you just you just <laughs> like that to- lasted for twenty minutes, and it's <laughs> fucking terrible." So yeah, no, but oh bless her, like, but she's um, but the thing is, it could be said that the fact that she's so unprepared adds to the realism. It's not like a promo. She's not crying. She's not over the top. But maybe she should have been a little bit. Like, it's real. It's just real bad. When Sean Mooney has to save you, fuck me. Like um, <laughs> The most boring man in the history of wrestling <laughs> has to save your segment and make it more watchable. Jesus, Swift. Yeah, he has to jump in on... Because that's the thing. It, it it's She's not Elizabeth in this sense. She's, she's not good for this in terms of like and maybe she should have been at ringside or something like that and she should have been crying or whatever instead of just you know because i think she got in the ring and no one knew who the fuck she was <laughs> wait yeah. i fucking didn't when i was a kid <laughs> um so yeah it, it goes on just a little bit too long and the, again you don't have vince controlling it so whoever is in show money's ear is just like fucking you know get the sheep hook out and fucking you know what i mean like, <laughs> i <laughs> So um, they very, very quickly cut to Bulldog's entrance. Do you know what, as well? They'd, like, announced that Lennox Lewis was there and that. I was like, interview him. Please interview <laughs> Lennox Lewis about this. Like, he's got an amazing fight coming up later in the year. Okay, I didn't know it was amazing then, but, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, just fucking speak to him. Isn't and it amazing? Like, they don't advertise him at all. It's mad, isn't it? He was so, it? I fucking loved Lennox Lewis when I was a kid as well. Mm. And wasn't he, like, world champion as well? Oh, he was a multiple fucking champion. He was a great boxer, like. So, yeah, they, I mean, I do wish, I do wish that, that I had Gaza at this show. Like, Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> Who in would 92, where like was a... he playing in 92? I'm trying to think. Wasn't he playing on the continent at that point? Wasn't that Middlesbrough? Oh, I would see that. Just... Middlesbrough come later, I think. Okay. I, was he still at Tottenham? Do you know what it is? I'm going to look it up. I forget we have this amazing <laughs> thing called the internet. <laughs> Where I've was got a... Paul Gascoigne in 1992, and why was he not at SummerSlam? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a signed... I don't know who got it, and I've got it somewhere, but I do have a signed Gaza picture. It's like a portrait of him, like, uh, kicking the ball. And I think he's in his England strip, and it is signed, and I've got that somewhere. I'll have to dig it out. But um, So I don't know very much, but I think Gaza would have been a perfect fit for SummerSlam. He would have been. It, that's the season he starts playing for Lazio, so he'll be in Italy. He left Tottenham in 92. Uh, who would he have managed? I think the Bushwhackers. <laughs> he would have been a fucking perfect fit for the Bushwhackers, wouldn't he? Can you imagine? I'll licking each other in that. If only if they came out to fucking his fog on the time rap. Oh. They could whack in time to it. He does the Bushwhacking thing in the music video anyway. Can you imagine them all whacking out? Fog on the time, it's all mine. Oh, man. Wow, I need my time machine. Where is it? <laughs> 
Did you ever see? I've shown you the Geordie Boys video, haven't I? It's, it's fucking hilarious that when he's flipping people off at top of the bus. Flipping people off. It's br- he's just in the back of a taxi in town, just seeing the Geordie Boys. <laughs> couldn't have been more low budget. If you try, and then it just cuts him in front of a green screen with his top off, just doing the bushwhacker thing. <laughs> Oh, just to see I, oh god I would as a rib I would have put him on commentary with Vince I think it would have been fucking oh. incredible <laughs> can you imagine no do you know what it is I would have got Vince to try and produce Gaza on commentary <laughs> imagine Vince getting in Gaza's ear oh, oh amazing so anyway right? <laughs> do you know what I love about because Bullock gets just rapturous fucking pop when he comes out. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? And what I love is, because you can tell the nerves are there, and also he was, like Hawk, he was not in a good state of mind before this match, and Brett did have to carry him. Um, Brett mentions that in a book, I think. Nothing Bruce Hart put that in his book and all. And that's the thing, though, because Brett is prone to over-exaggerate and take credit for everything, but I think this really is a match where he, you know, he had to get Bulldog through it. Um, but you it's can't. It's fucking meant though. <laughs> well, that's the thing as well. You can't just then discredit Bulldog in the way that you could maybe discredit Hawk a little bit earlier on. Uh, Bulldog did pull his weight, but there's just a couple of clips where like he nearly fucking breaks his neck when Brett does the plancher over the top rope. And I was just uh... thinking that, and it turns into a crucifix <laughs> driver type thing because they're oh. all busy. Oh, it's Look, it looks amazing when you don't know that it's a fuck up. <laughs> well, one thing I love though, when Bulldog comes to the ring, he does that. Uh, what do you call it? Where you do the cross thing, your head, shoulders thing. Um, what do you mean? When you're like praying and you do the, you know, when you oh, just head. when you cross yourself. I'm not yeah. sure actually. Because <laughs> um, well, he does that, and it's just like there's such a beautiful like Britishness to like the hometown hero. You know what I mean? Just like, but he's probably just praying that he doesn't hoy up in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> he's just praying he doesn't fucking die when he can't sell it when he's crossing his <laughs> But it's 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 just a and like using um like Rule Britannia and stuff like that. There's just there's pieces of music that can be very emotive. I think and WWF were good at that when using bits of like classical music or orchestrated music. Like when Randy Savage came, Savage, you know it's a big deal. And Bulldog was exactly the same. Um, and, and, and even I know it's gonna how loud they play it, it sounds stupid, oh. but just the fucking volume being up like that. Like WCW used to bring him out with Rule Britannia, and it was just a song, and it didn't seem to mean that. Whereas they blah the fucking speakers with Rule Britannia, and it like gets your patriotic hairs on, on end, yeah. even if you're not feeling it. It's just so loud here and that, so mm. strident and fucking proud. You're like, yep, bulldog, <laughs> and, and it kind of in the way that, uh, when. Michaels does the mint entrance at WrestleMania 12, and then Brett comes out second. Brett's entrance feels really flat compared to Bulldogs. It, um, aye, is, is zero response from the crowd doesn't help. Also, like it's worse then because that old Heart Foundation music shite. Like when they re-record yeah. it with the fucking bend at the start, and then the like shredding yeah. for the drums kick in and all that. I love that theme. That's like sounds class and it sounds like a proper good rock theme. But like this point. It, Sounds like it was made on a fucking phone. Yeah, it was MIDI. And it sounds rubbish. That does not help after you've just had Rule Britannia played in front of 80,000 British people. And behind all of it, no matter, because you've got the kind of what I would call the verse, and then you've got the that bit. Behind all of it, you've got the same note, the all the way through. It doesn't change any note. Do you know what it reminds me of? You remember Crime Stoppers? 
Did, like, if you've ever seen the theme of Crying Shit, it goes. Dun, 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 there was a man who robbed a bank in Halifax. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. So, yeah, again, that might be too early 90s. I think Crime Stoppers might have only been shown in like the Northeast as well. So, I think I've lost half <laughs> the audience with that. So, uh, <laughs> Bob will remember. <laughs> To be fair, most of ours is just like some kind of Geordie equivalent of the Trailer Park Boys talking about old wrestling. So I think people are used to fucking spurious regional references. Like, we've already talked about Gaza's rap for about 10 minutes. <laughs> Do you know what I love about this? Heenan is so good when he's at his best. Because he does this in WCW and ruins everything. But when he does it in WWF, <laughs> it, it deflates it. But it just... Is mint because Bulldog and Brett, like Bulldog's coming out with that music, and he's like, "This is another match where I don't give a fuck who wins." He's <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just not interested whatsoever. Like, but um, <laughs> yeah, the, um, it's funny as well. It's the first real match of the night that's not like stumbly big lad cartoon biffs, and Heenan's like, "Fuck <laughs> this, I hate it." So, like, what were they thinking taking him to WCW? It's like, watch this event. The one match that seems like it would be on WCW is the one he fucking hates. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, this match has had so much said about it, but, like, where does it rate for you in, like, sort of your top five, top ten, or or oh, is it I, even in there? Like, I'm I don't, I don't even know with lists just because I've, I've there's so many matches I love them. I've got so little memory capacity. Like my, my memory is essentially, like, the high scoreboard on an arcade machine. <laughs> like it's a number one, <laughs> the Tempest. And then as soon as you've turned it off and turned it back on the next, the next day, number one, a, 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 number two, B, B, B. Partly why we do this podcast, isn't it? Just to remind you. Just <laughs> to remind me. <laughs> so there is that, but I, I do know that in, in that bleak period from like late 2000 onwards, when I just didn't really watch wrestling anymore, one of the only things I was watching until I saw TNA for about five years was Tag Classics DVDs. Yeah. So this this match was one of my absolute favorite matches during that period because it was like I just would not watch what the modern product was and there was no decent modern product I was aware of or anything. So this match was fucking really high for me on those DVDs I had. Yeah, it's so good. It's it's um it's already a long event but uh if you're gonna have some i mean the out they've got to be out there for about 20 minutes to half an hour i would say um, i think it's about half an hour like yeah and, and probably which, not- which i like you know that that's how long i like a match to be not like every fucking match but definitely the main event i need that i mean the, the warrior savage one has it as well that's about half an hour i don't get a sense of like epicness and story and the grandiose fucking event if the match is short so like a half hour one like that really does it for me. Yeah, and and you know, Brett was never gonna like sort of lose in like five minutes anyway. Not because of an ego thing. It's just because if it was real, you know, Brett is the one to go half an hour and take. He's got the skills and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, he's one of the only like quote unquote wrestlers on the card you know what i mean these two like uh, there's a lot of punching and strikes and power moves and stuff but these two wrestle and they like take it to the mat and that like this is for want of a better phrase proper wrestling so like as you say it has to last that long really yeah it's really hard hitting as well and realistic and uh it really did sort of mark a sign of things to come you can understand why they would put the belt on brett uh you know, because obviously he, he's shown that he's a draw as well, but 
it can't be stated enough once he started having title matches against like Razor Ramon and even on like the superstars, etc. when he was facing Papa Shango and um, even Virgil and people like that. It's a complete 180 to the title matches that came before it. Even if you've got Savage as champion, he's usually facing, you know, big lads who he's not really going to have that long, hard-hitting match with. Like Brett really did change the style of you know, wrestling WWE. in the WWF. And I, I yeah. understand that's why everyone was pissed off when Hogan won the WrestleMania 9. It was just like, Ugh. um, but then back obviously to, back to the shit. Yeah, after you've just like, is this a changing of the guard? Is this a sea change? No. And King <laughs> and as we've talked about in the past, King of the Ring 93 shows that because Brett has three amazing matches and Hogan has his normal match, which is very storyline you know, lead and stuff like that, but it just, it has absolutely no, like, aftertaste to it whatsoever. It's just, you know, it's, it's it just showed you that it's actual wrestling skill that will win out over um, dated gimmicks at that point or dated personalities. I think it, it was... It the really match lasts the test of time on that event. Yeah, it was definitely a breath of fresh air. Um and it was an ama- it was an amazing way to end that SummerSlam. Um, and it's something I love about wrestling. You know, it's like what Brett and Bulldog are doing there is new to this audience, whereas in reality is old fashioned. They're doing the kind of wrestling you get in like England or Canada or other parts of America that aren't WWE. Yeah, and the other stuff that's like contemporary is the cartoony stuff that I don't like, and the matches that stand the test of time now. Or like that one. Or if you go and watch like King of the Ring 93, there's often when you try and tell people to watch wrestling from back then, they're like, I'm not fucking watching that. Then you show them that and they're like, oh, wow. And those are the matches that you would have got before and after this kind of time period, you know what I mean? And they still matter now because the thing that matters about wrestling is wrestling. And and I think there'll have been a, a, a section of the audience, like the kids' dads or whatever, who are like, oh, this is, I'll just make believe and pretend and pantomime and stuff like that. But they will remember the you know the actual workers on the world of sport shows you know totally, the, that would be the one that but you know you know what my family were like with their views on the way wrestling was and that but like that match they would have had no problem with if they'd seen that yeah and and look because you know we'll talk about this a little bit once we've uh, wrapped up SummerSlam but um because there is a reason behind this but the not everyone who was watching world of sport was actually big daddy giant haystacks fans and eventually Realistically, they kind of killed that company because they were right? on top too much. And once they faced each other, where do you go from there? It was yeah. really the undercards of those free round matches and stuff like that that were really carrying those shows. And then you would have your attractions, uh, which would get the nanas and the kids and all that kind of stuff. But the you know they don't work without your actual athletic, con- you know, because it wouldn't have worked on a show called World of Sport for a start. It's not um, like fucking sport, is it? Exactly. No. And and there was still a, a a pretense of saying this is they weren't saying this is real. They just weren't saying it was fake. You know, so it was mm-hmm. just it mm-hmm. was never presumed that it was. And if you watch all that chain wrestling and stuff like that, I mean, it, it blows my mind watching some of that stuff now because it's almost like trick of the eye. Because you're like, how did he get out of that fucking armbar into that? You know what I mean? Like, it's I, just, I love that. You know, like, yeah. In the days of the wrestling channel and men and motors and that, I fucking watched shit loads of World of Sport when they were rerunning it. Cause, like the wrestling channel got to a point where, like during the day, 
when they didn't have CMLL, New Japan, All Japan, TNA, Ring of Honor, all that other flashier stuff, they used to fill it in with hours of uh, world of sport. And like if it was a day where I wasn't at college or I just couldn't be asked to go in or whatever, I just used to sit and fucking watch world of sport all day. Oh, we don't know how good we had it on the wrestling channel. Like, fuck me. Oh, like, well, we do now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's it's just upsetting that there's all this world of sports stuff in an archive somewhere and it's just not getting shown or anything. I hope somebody would buy that. You know, like, I always dream that, like, if Tony Khan wants to spend his money sensible, that he'll, like, get some kind of coalition, like, network type thing like wwe have but then you could have obviously modern stuff like you could try and involve impact or whoever else but there's so much great vintage footage that's not on the wwe network like the wwe network's fantastic if you go back and watch like mid-south and world class and crockett and stuff like that but there's still so much stuff that other people haven't got on something like that and world of sport would be a big get for me well, my worry is that eventually, WWE, I, I don't know if you can buy like ITV footage and own it. You know what I mean? I don't know what the rules are with that, but my worry How is, did Men and Motors get to put it on in that? I guess it was probably like licensing. Well, no, saying that, um, funnily enough, Fremantle Media, I believe, own who do the WWE DVDs now in the UK, own a lot of the old game shows that are shown on Challenge. Um, so there probably is a way for them to be able to own footage that was once owned by ITV, but I would, I, I mean, that's beyond my thinking, but wouldn't it be great though? I mean, they've got like four channels, ITV. If after Dynamite, they just showed an old world of sport as well. John, be amazing then, since we're dream booking. Yeah, go on. <laughs> for ITV. What if ITV just had a classic sports channel? Oh. Imagine just a classic British sports channel where you could watch like world football, world wrestling, world boxing, world rugby and stuff like that. That would be amazing. I don't think it, it's that out of the question because they made CITV its own channel eventually. Um, so I don't get why they couldn't have a sports channel with their rich, you know, back catalogue of everything. Um, yeah. I'd watch the shit out of that if there was an ITV vintage <laughs> sport channel, wouldn't you? Needs to be done. Oh, well, that's the thing. Even as like not a huge football fan or whatever, I'll watch old stuff and I'll watch documentaries all the time and um, it, about anything. I've watched the snooker documentary that BBC showed and I was just like, no. Um, Sports documentaries are good, aren't they? they? They really are because especially when talking about the past, you get to see a, you know little biographies about all the colourful characters and... Um, Context for matches and stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, no, that's, uh, I think, let's start a petition to ITV. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, <laughs> so... Do you have any other thoughts about this? Because I know we haven't talked about the match that much, but again, that's not the Just point go, of this podcast. Just go and watch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're not a blow-by-blow podcast. Anybody listening to this, to be honest, you've probably watched this SummerSlam because <laughs> some of one of those things that's just so beloved of English people of like our age, our generation, whatever, our demographic. So you've probably seen that. But if you're not, if you just happen to be listening to this, go and watch that match. Like the whole event's fun, but this is the match you should have seen if that makes sense. Yeah, and you've got to watch it with the entrances as well. And, you know, because it's one of those things that, like, there are certain entrances where you will get emotional. I mean, you did a a couple of weeks ago watching Dynamite when The Dark Order came out. And uh, Oh, definitely. Yeah, and, you know, the... That entrance that Hangman did, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. When he comes out with the Dark Order and they do it like that fucking Canadian stampede thing when they all walk together. 
Yeah. Oh, that, that really fired me up. Like, it was so good. <laughs> and, and especially, though, they, they were clever, I thought, as well, with having the then cheesy, stupid entrance that the Elite did afterwards. And then there's loads of people getting angry on it about, they don't even respect wrestling. Oh, they, they don't respect the art. I'm like, it's almost like they're heels and they're being cunts to piss you off. Yeah, well, it's like... um. I mean, I know this is a film, but Rocky IV, when uh, Apollo Creed comes down with James Brown from the ceiling, <laughs> you know, living in, living in America. <laughs> Rocky's like, have you not lost the touch of it here? Like, I mean, I don't know if people, you know, have forgotten, but wrestling is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. And- fucking sport's ridiculous now. <laughs> we're watching the fucking Euros and we had a stupid little car that was like sponsored <laughs> by Uber driving the fucking ball out. Uh, that car was over with me like... <laughs> <laughs> that car was they think it's all over it is now with me like you remember um some of the later shooting stars where a little car would come out and it had a big ass on the back of it and it was a question out of its <laughs> if only they did that <laughs> <laughs> it, it's yeah why not i mean i don't get why they don't go full xfl in some ways i mean that you know we'll do one on the xfl eventually like but uh there were so many <laughs> if you videos- like watching bad matches don't worry <laughs> wwe put bad matches on in multiple sports <laughs> but i love spectacle but also you've got to back it up with actual good content as well there's too much spectacle in the nfl already i never watched the nfl and thought you know what this needs to be and more over the top and more corporate good god no, okay, fair enough. You got us there. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, Summer Summer 92, you know, I think it deserved a two part. We do apologize, or I apologize for uh taking a bit too long because it is almost the end of summer now, uh, which is depressing, but um, you know, and uh, we probably should have done more Summer Slams. <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest, I'm okay with not doing as many, <laughs> I, have to watch, I have to watch less of them. It's, it's not all bad. <laughs> oh. I'm upset now. Now, um, <laughs> but we did. We, did we agree on what we're doing next time? Is it SummerSlam ninety one? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I've not seen that many SummerSlams. Highly oh, recommend the ones I have. I can't fucking remember. Well, it's in Madison Square Garden, so I think they know they've got to pull. You know, uh, pull the rabbit out the hat, and it's uh, it. One thing I love about a good SummerSlam, it, you know, ninety seven does this as well, is that you can have clean finishes because it's a gimmick match. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's fun throughout, but also you've got Bret Hart against Mr. Perfect, which uh, was great at King of the Rings. So I imagine this will be great oh, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a bit of a newbie when it comes to Summer Slams in the 90s, generally. You know, I'm trying to think back, and the only ones I might have seen might be 92 and 93. You know, I've seen the ones in the 80s and then not seen a great deal of other Summer Slams. Well, arguably, arguably top to bottom, it could be said that Summer Slam 91 is maybe the best Summer Slam. Um, because it's it it resolves feuds, it starts off feuds that aren't any shitty finishes. Uh, the garden crowd are just massively up for it, and uh, there's a lot of story going into this about Warrior holding Vince up and all that kind of stuff as well. So there's lots of intrigue for the show as well, and uh, and also it has the wedding with Randy Savage and Elizabeth as well. So good stuff. I've seen that bit. I'm sure that was on like loads of fucking DVDs. Oh yeah. Uh, so some of some like you wanted is then, and uh, I'm uh, really glad that we got to do this because I, I think this little series of the uh, two shows for some of some like you two have been my favourite shows that we've done. And I'm sober-ish 
for this one. <laughs> I'm not sober, but I probably make a bit more sense. You were wild on the previous episode. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> I did this one immediately after with the football. I, I so don't I yeah, well, continue the football drinking. No, fair enough. I don't regret 10 minutes about taking the mick out of Ron Atkinson and They've you know. deserved it. Fuck that. I'm so I'm soberish now and I'll still say that. Fuck that. It's like I'm sober now and I still said fuck Richard Keys. So, you know. <laughs> Um, so yes, yeah, some ninety two. Hope everyone enjoyed it, and I want to let everyone know that uh, we have started a new show on BBG Wrestling. We are now the official podcast for Chella Toys, uh, the UK's biggest wrestling figure manufacturer. I mean, probably the only, but, you know, but also you know they are signing hu- uh, huge names. Uh, they're going for the the retro Hasbro style figures, as other companies are doing as well. But we're not talking about other companies. We're talking strictly Chella and. Uh, they have signed Haku. Uh, they've signed Haku's uh, son. I'm really bad with names. The one that was Camacho. I don't know who Camacho was, but they've signed Tangaloa. If that's yes. the same person, that is the same person. Uh, oh, Camacho is <laughs> that fucking thing in there? All the hipsters drink that was like made out of moldy fruit. <laughs> Well, they've signed him, and it's probably a good uh, thing that they got rid of that Camacho name, but. Uh, Oh, Tangaloa is great, by the way, for if anyone thought I was just yes. Tangaloa. Oh, no, no, no. G.O.D. are fucking class. And uh, there's going to be a deep dive on his uh, his career. We've done a deep dive on Haku. Uh, the, you know, they've got Big Daddy. They've got Giant Haystacks ready I'm to I'm excited about that. Oh, like. oh, I'm so excited. I, I don't know yet. But w- with this Cello podcast, we're going to get to make announcements and uh, break news and everything. And uh, I don't know if they're going to do a two-pack, but I really hope they do with Big Daddy. And giant haystacks, um, because belly button each other, <laughs> it's in a diorama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, who else have the sign? Oh, Bull Nakano, Hayabusa. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Um, it's a Tom a Dynamite Kid. Uh, they've really went for a range of names, but every name is a is a winner, like, um, you know, because it, it signing names basically in this climate of wrestling figure every there's tons of companies at this point getting names is hard but they are really going out of their way to make names who are important to either the you know a a section of the wrestling community uh it doesn't have to be the biggest section of the community or a figure that is important to wrestling figure fans like they're going to be making another adam bomb hasbro style figure and that is incredible because trying to pay less than 200 quid for an original Adam Bomb Hasbro figure. You just can't do it. And they have these names fully under contract um, and they have the rights to make costumes. Oh, this, they, I mean, they released a Nick Aldis figure. Uh, they made I saw a, that. It's pretty cool looking as well. Oh, yeah. They made a Blue Meanie figure. Um, and yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about Chella and the base in the UK. Which... And they need to make Mr. Wrestling 2. Please make Mr. Wrestling 2. I need to get the Ben and Mr. Wrestling 2 toy. Well, on the inside now, we're good. And if you don't think we've, like me and Mark have just been like, you know, oh, can you make it? <laughs> you know, and they're like, that's, that's not how that works. Calm down. <laughs> you know, uh, we'll add it to the ever growing list of names that you, you keep throwing at us. Uh, so... <laughs> oh, this is why we wouldn't be allowed to run a toy company. <laughs> uh, you know, it'd be fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Man, toy. Or 10 variations of fucking, you know, uh, <laughs> the candy man, the goddamn candy man, <laughs> hog, hog pen match plays and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> 
um, fucking coal miner on a glove, please. Oh, yeah. Um, so coal yeah, miner we- on a glove. I've just realised what I said. So I suppose it's better than a coal miner on a pool. <laughs> coal miner's glove on a pool. Yeah, that's a very different kind of match, I think. Of. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, do tune in. This is going to be a bi-weekly podcast because, you know, uh, Chella are not releasing news every week, basically. <laughs> we don't want to, we're not going to run out of things to talk about. Uh, so we're letting things build up, but also making announcements that there will be competitions and stuff like that as well. So, you know, it's very proud as a wrestling figure collector to have even any kind of connection with anyone who's making big names. You did very things. well there. Yeah. Um, so, but the main gig, Turnchuckle, very excited that we're doing this again. Do apologize again for taking so long to get this uh, to get this done, but um, I think it's been worth it doing part two of Some Some Ninety Two. And uh, I want to thank you, Tempest, for coming along for the ride and uh, watching Some Some Ninety Two more than once in a month <laughs> <laughs> to remind yourself. <laughs> Well, I'll uh, let you know what my little virgin eyes thought of uh, SummerSlam 91 next week. Yeah, the, the only part of you that's a virgin, I'm guessing. Um, and to be fair, I don't even know that my eyes are virgins either. I just mean they've fucking seen, not seen this. <laughs> <laughs> and where we're at with, because we're doing uh, Turn Truckle 2000 as well, and we're going to be getting back to that very, very soon. Um... Unfortunately, we've got a WWE one next, because I just <laughs> enjoy how chaotically bad the WCW ones can be, where it's either great or really terrible. But like the WWE ones, are, it's no way out next, and there's too many of them just tend to be decent. So you're like, oh, I don't have a lot to say about that. <laughs> You know what I mean? It wasn't amazing. It wasn't terrible. Mm. <laughs> so I'll give it my best to make more interesting noises than just mm, when we're talking about say, that. Yeah, don't. That is not full review. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of good stuff on it, really. I'm just being a fucking cunt. It's just because you don't know how ridiculous Super Brawl 2000 <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah, do go back and listen to that. Because uh, I oh, showed you that high, that pay per view. Dear God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. you were going to have a seizure or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Super Brawl 2000 is the next WCW one that we're doing, isn't it? So um, Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah, that was... Uh, I can't wait to talk about some of the things that happened on that show. Like, <laughs> it was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yes. So, one more time, thank you again, Tempest, for uh, being a part of this. And uh, thank you all for tuning in to this edition of Turntrickle on bbgwrestling.com. And we will see you all next time. See you then.